Welcome back to another episode of What About Dat? My name's Adarin. With the help of my friend Jen, we'll be recapping Winona Earp Season 2. So sit back, relax, and ask yourself, hey, what about Dat? All right, so hey guys, welcome back. Um, we wanted to talk kind of just about Winona Season 2, you know, just bringing it up, giving us some... Uh, some good stuff. Let's do a little recap real quick on kind of where everybody's journey started and where it ended. I want to make this kind of quick, you know, just for those of you out there who haven't um, really fully delved into the world of Winona and become a full-time herber yet, uh, here's what kind of happened. So we have Winona going from this single gal who's just living her best life for the most part to this mother you know, and being pregnant and dealing with that. And I think that was such a crazy thing to happen this season. It was awesome. Uh, then we had her, her sister, Waverly, and her journey of who is she? What is she? What's going on? <laughs> Dear Waverly, poor girl, she done come out the closet. She got a girlfriend. She is dealing with possibly not being her, uh, an ERP or not possibly, she's not an ERP and dealing with the consequences of that. She got gooed or possessed, if you will. And Dealing with that was a lot. She is one of the bigger storyline threads for everybody. She kind of connects to everybody's storyline, and it was a lot. Um, what is the meaning of her being called Angel all the time? What's the deal? So um, we had Waverly doing that this season. We had uh, Nicole in her journey, which was a rough one. Let's be honest, guys. I mean, she's getting her ass kicked this season. She got pummeled through windows and glass and you know, demoted and promoted and then demoted again and in a fight with her girlfriend. It was a hot mess for Nicole. But we were given a great juicy tidbit at the end of the season where it looks like Nicole may have some dark ties or possibly something else going on. So I can't wait to see that go on. Uh, we also then have Doc, his journey from a selfish, you know, immortal man to this human, you know, very much killable father now. And, you know, to add insult to injury, the guy found out he went to hell when he died. I don't know about you, but that sounds like some bullshit. Um, you know, just to be faced with immortality and then to realize when you die, you're not even going into the good place. That's like, yee, <laughs> that's rough for anybody on any given day. Um, I really like the fact that he's going through this existential crisis because then we have Dolls, on the other hand, who did die. Who knows where he went or what happened there? Um, but he's gone from this hard agent to this man who wants to be in love and is trying to figure out and learn emotions. We learn he's a dragon of some sort, um, as people keep calling him, a sexy dragon. Um, he has a lot going on. I feel like Waverly and Dolls' paths are very similar of who are they, what are they, where are they going? You know, um, they want to be happy, they want to have structure, but, you know, Nobody ever knows. Um, we have our two new characters who showed up this season. We have Jeremy, the resident nerd, uh, gay boy, fanboy, uh, little brother of everybody who was precious. And he has some awesome backstories too coming up, you know? He has a relationship with dolls that we didn't know about. And he may have some type of gift, whether it be telepathy or something going on that we weren't actually uh, expecting. So that's really kind of cool. Love him. Can't wait to... I'm so glad he's part of this season. And then we have Rosita. Rosita, Rosita, Rosita. Girl, girl, girl. She came in late to the season and left strong. 
you know, there was a lot going on with her character and Winona, and that kind of, I'm a revenant, but I also, y'all like me, and then there's this crazy thing with the kiss between uh, Waverly and Rosita herself, and that is not a thing, but it definitely gave them a strong connection. So it's gonna be very interesting to see if that turns into anything season three, you know, who knows? Um, and then we have our lovely group, our, our, our main uh, couple, if you will, The Way Hot. They went through a lot this season, guys. There was a Nicole being married. She almost died. She's getting a divorce. You know, Waverly lied to her, kissed Rosita. Like, there's just a lot of secrets between them, but it's still a budding new relationship that has a lot to offer and a lot to delve into and a lot to destroy all at the same time. So that's going to be a really fun thing for next season, but that's pretty much... The wrap up on everybody in uh, season two. Also, our bad guys was a plethora of just these people who are making life difficult for everybody in the town of Purgatory. We have Mixion, the weird lizard thing that ended up possessing Willa, causing her death, tried to possess uh, Waverly, but she fought it off. We have Aged Lakato, who was part of Black Badge. She was a cuntiest of the cunts, but she was fabulous and then ended up, you know, having her head explode, which. R.I.P. Um, we have the Scarecrow Genie, which that was just bizarre. Um, really kind of helped push the Tucker and Waverly Goo Gooverly storyline, which was great. We have the Widows uh, and Tucker, who are all from the same family, but all kinds of messed up. That was a wild ride that they were taking us on. And then we have the Brotherhood, who is not necessarily a villain, but they weren't really trying to help. So... That was a great tie-in with Dolls and his past and his kind of enemies. So we had some really great uh, bad guys this season. And yeah, so that's kind of just like a wrap up for everybody. Who did what, where we were going. Now let's get into some nitty gritty gin. Hello Adair, how's it been? How are you? You know, it's, it's How been have a you? long, it's been Are a long you time. watching any television on the break? <laughs> I honestly have not been. Um, and this is why our Defenders trailer is taking so long to get out. Cause I'm like, I just have to prepare myself for another slog in the TV world. You, you need like an emotional break from... I needed a... Because Inanna did a lot to me, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I'm excited to eventually get into our Defenders stuff and start talking about that. So that should be popping up soon. But man, I had to take you know, a break. One show I started <laughs> watching and it really reminds me of Wynonna. So if anyone's looking for a Wynonna pairing to watch after it, and you recommended this a while ago i just started it the other day um it's called crazy head and it really reminds me of winona earp because it is basically it's set in the uk it's set in in london britain and um it's about these two girls who find that they can see demons and they're the only ones who can see them and so they kind of like go after these men who are essentially kind of like abusive but they're abusive because they have like demons in them so it's like it's a pretty good show i like it wait crazy it's called head crazy head yeah it's it... called crazy head oh, it's okay. on netflix and oh you know what i i recommended to you it was called um sweet vicious oh, before it got off of mtv because yeah, yeah. that has the kind of the same premise yeah which would you been, gotta watch this one you're gonna love this because up. the humor is so such dry british humor the cast is this gorgeous diverse cast and the story though very funny uh also is just it's got that niche dark 
supernatural feeling to it. It's a great pairing. It's a great show to follow up with Winona with. You gotta give me a actually. Give me a I did lie. I will. I actually did lie. I I have been kind of like peeping two shows that have really piqued my interest because I like a lot of mystery. So any of you uh, PLL fans out there, or people who just like a good mystery, um, I was watching The Sinner with Jessica Bill on mm. USA. And it was a miniseries, uh, supposedly. Who knows if they might pick it up again, but that was a lot the going sinner. on. <laughs> lot. Yes, there was a lot going on. Woo. It was like watching, I mean, I do believe it was based off a book, but it was like really specifically based off of a book, you know, and it was just a lot going on. So I think that you guys should pick that up. Also, a fun, quirky time in the supernatural realm was The Preacher. I like watching The Preacher on, is it AMC? Or? I think it's AMC. I think it's yeah. AMC. Yeah, AMC. And that is a wild, whew, that's a wild ride. Um, once again, that's one of those shows. really that strong cast it, in it, too. I mean, strong cast and just, like, your brain kind of hurts, but, like, feels good after watching it. <laughs> so if you like the wild, wacky, but, like, also undertone of a lot going on, it's... It's like, that one's really, I would say The Center's very much like reading a book and it really is like coming to life. The way they wrote it, the pacing, and then The Preacher is like watching a comic book, graphic novel that's like really intense, that, that got brought to life, you yeah. know? And it's just like, oh yeah, it's it's the colors and the and the angles and the cinematography, it's wild. Right, so, right. I, I, that, yeah. I gotta give it some eyes to that. I just watched uh, Jessica Jones. I rewatched that. It's fabulous. Um, yeah, Jessica Jones, another show that you are looking for something in the interlude of Winona between now and next year. That's a great show to get into. Um, so let, we're going to talk about now Winona Earp. Some of the highs for me of this season, this episode, season two. I think the highest of the high, the thing that I enjoyed most about this season was the pregnancy story arc. I found that to be the strongest. And I really liked that they used the actress's actual pregnancy to the advantage of the story. And it gave you a really beautiful arc about this wild woman who finds out she's a mother, who doesn't want to be a mother, but then eventually embraces it and then eventually defends that, you know, defends her, her child. So I thought that was a great storyline. I love, this is something we've established. I love mothers. I love them. <laughs> I love complicated. <laughs> As you can hear from our Supergirl podcast, Jim I, I love complicated mother-daughter relationships. And this one is really, really uh, complicated by the fact that Wynonna has to give up her daughter at the end of the series to keep her safe. And, you know, if you're going to do in future seasons, maybe season six down the line, time jump forward, you, you might get that really cool look of what that daughter actually looks like in the future. You know, you could play with that if you're a writer. You can have a lot of fun. Hey. So that... Zena did it. I was, Why I was can't thinking they? that. <laughs> Zena did it, and they did it really well. They made they made Zena's daughter hope. Was her, was her name? No, was no, 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 Faith. no. Faith. Oh, Faith. I'm sorry. Sorry, Zena. Um, they made her such a bitch, <laughs> but she was the best villain. She was. Yeah, um, no, she you was watch Zena on the interlude. That would be, um, that's a good show. Wise. <laughs> you like, if you like <laughs> Quark <laughs> and a well-done yeah. dramedy. If you like Winona Earp, you'll oh, love yeah. Zena. That's yeah. just, that's the case. That's um, what it is. I think that for me, that was the highest of the high of this season for sure and then i think that another high for me this season like if i had to 
give I would say I really enjoyed the character of Mercedes Widow. She this character, I was we were talking about it. We were talking about how Gooverly or Waverly was really two characters this season. You broke it into if you got the season, you break it into two. We have Waverly as we get to see what she looks like as a villain. We get to see what she looks like as a hero. We got a little bit of both this season. But with Mercedes, I feel like she's just such a layered villain in fact in the fact that when we first meet Mercedes, she's this um, Winona's friend and somebody who has a past with Winona who can recall Winona in her worser days when she was this rebel and this kind of this um, calamity on the town. And then she becomes, you know, she has this reputation as the town's mean girl. And then eventually she gets her face stolen and becomes a black widow. And that in itself is going to be very, very complicated. And then she gets shot. And she becomes a dying widow, like a dying swan. You get the wilting mm -hmm. from her in the form of pustular mm -hmm. head piece. And Ooh. then we yeah. get the mother of widows when she betrays Cludie, her husband, and decides to embrace herself. We get this awesome costume in which she comes out for two seconds from looking like this dying, terrible beast, and she is revealed to be this awesomely powerful woman. So I just, I really loved all the layers of Mercedes, and for me, that was a, a major high this season. What about you, what do you got? Um, Actually, I'll agree with uh, all that. Yeah, I really enjoyed the fact that they gave Melanie the opportunity to really showcase this pregnancy on TV. I thought it was great, I mean, we definitely have similarities this season to Xena, so that's why I'm going to keep going back to it. But, like, you know, Lucy Lawless kind of did it first, where she was pregnant for a whole season and, and didn't slow the action, didn't make it about, you know, hiding behind boxes necessarily. They embraced it. And I really appreciate the fact that they did it again. You know, the fact that they allowed her to be such a badass, but also still silly, because not every woman who gets pregnant is instantly going to go into this weird motherly thing or who's going to ex be ecstatic about it. And the way they made it so that she didn't have the option to either get rid of the baby or give her away was really interesting, you know? out of It was out of her hands everything, you know? And I thought that was fascinating, you know? Even the small, minute ideas of saying she's been taking birth control since she was 13. I was like, Jesus, that sucks. Like, <laughs> you know, that's like really rough already. And just the emotional stakes it took, awesome. That made me happy. Definitely The Widows was one of my favorite things this season because, honestly, Mercedes, Danny Kind, killed it. She uh, uh, she was, like, my favorite. <laughs> she was just my favorite um, because she was snarky. She tried to play like Mercedes and then, well, to see Mercedes so live and like, hey, bitch, let's have shots to, like, you know... Um, uh, what is, uh, Beth goes, uh, I can feel him coming. And she goes, Ugh, sounds like my wedding night. Like, she always know? had something just, to say. Just, yeah. She was super snarky, you know? And I, I love that. And, you know, watching her get shot, ran over, um, you know, chopping off a hand. Like, she was so over it. Like, she was as over it as the heroes are, you know? She's like, all right, people, let's change it up. And I, I really found that fascinating. Um, yeah, I... I I mean, honestly, there's a lot of high points from myself in this in this uh, season. I really, really liked, um, you know, Jeremy. I thought he was awesome. I think that having that kind of shift from Waverly being the naive young one to having it be Jeremy now is really quite great. 
because um, it propels both of their stories forward. And then getting Rosita. I loved me some mother effing Rosita. Like, I knew that she just kind of popped in finally. I knew there was something going to be a little bit interesting about her. I really just appreciate the fact that her journey was so painful. Like, she shouldn't be a revenant. She shouldn't have had to deal with all this stuff. She shouldn't have to live in fear because that's something that we haven't seen from the revenants yet, fear. Like they get fear of like, why not? I'm gonna go back to hell, but it's not a fear of, I'm gonna lose my life. It's the fear of like, I just don't wanna go to hell again, which I'm sure nobody wants to. But with Rosita, it seems more like she's afraid of never really ever reaching her full potential. You know, she knows that she doesn't get to relax on earth. There's never a time it seems that like for Rosita where she can just have a good time. A lot of the other evil remnants are like, we're gonna make the best of earth. We're gonna rob and steal and pillage and be ridiculous. And she's like, I just wanna know that tomorrow I might not get shot, <laughs> you know? And I think that's really quite telling and kind of sad and beautiful in its own way. So yeah, I think her story arc was one, her and Mercedes, I think were my two favorite story arcs. And then the obvious of Melanie slash Winona just being awesome pregnant, but like she was pregnant. So it wasn't necessarily like a character arc. That was just something happening. But I think the widow Mercedes and uh, Rosita had the coolest arcs in this episode. I I mean, this season. If this I season. had to say, if I did pick who my favorite new character was this season, I would definitely pick Rosita because you did have an exciting character in Jeremy. He was very exciting, you know, and he was cute and he's lovable. He's he's intelligent and he's kind of mysterious. And, you know, he's gay and that was great. I loved, I loved Jeremy. Um, but I think Rosita came with a lot more of this backstory and it's her being a character who was in existence 150 years prior with in the world of the original Wyatt makes her automatically more complicated and the idea that mm -hmm. she's lived many times and that she keeps returning to hell this place that has the capacity of making good men like bobo go crazy has yet to really affect her mindset and if anything she was able to do positives like become an educated woman so you have a character who's like rosita who is the epitome of modern woman you know down to modern relationships down to uh modern science and then you have one who's like beth who also was in existence 150 years ago lived amongst that westernized society where women were really kind of subjects subjective to the men and you have beth wanting to return to that so you have two characters this season who are like such polar opposites female characters you know, they've gone the opposite well, yeah. direction. And, I mean, Mercedes was the same way as Rosita as far as wanting to be a modern woman, be more educated, have more power. I think uh, Rosita is trying to do it in a good way, a positive way for herself. And I think that because Mercedes Widow was so evil in the beginning, seeing the new world, I think she had the same idea to make herself more powerful and independent. But, you know, she went around I, the wrong way you know evil, some people so. they get banished to hell and they come back assholes like bobo but rosita she came back she's like you know what i'm gonna go to college 
Now I'm gonna get some degrees. Yep. Now I'm going to educate myself in this chemistry shit. And I think that is the most admirable quality because it really just shows you what resilience looks like. And it, and it, it's really hard for me to, when I, when, when Rosita betrays the ERP inner circle, the ERP family, her a new unwanted family even so, cause she's kind of like, she's been, she didn't have the choice. She's, she was kind of forced to join the group whereas Jeremy willingly joined the group. So when you see Rosita like betraying the Earps, it's because they were real assholey to her, not necessarily her to them. So I, I just think she's yeah. so compelling. There's so many layers there, and she is my she is one of the highs. And also, it's refreshing. Oh my god, refreshing to see a Hispanic actress. Like the giddy people get about seeing more diversity, more co color on on camera, I feel that way. I want to see more Hispanic women playing these complicated characters. For me, it's like, I don't realize that I haven't seen enough until I see Rosita in this role. And I, I'm 100% down there with you. You know, it's nice to have um, Shamar up there, Shamir, excuse me, up there, you know, representing for the, the black folks. But I also would, I, somebody mentioned this at a, uh, a con and I was like, yes, whoever mentioned that, good for you. Um, she asked, you know, is there going to be more physical representation as far as like bigger size women, plus size actresses and actors? You know, every time you see a plus size actress, it's either a mother, an aunt, you know, she's the wench, she's the, you know, whiny best friend, but you don't see like a beautiful, voluptuous person, a woman or guy who is good, who isn't the old man, who isn't the uncle, you know, and that'd be really cool. I would, I actually would be down to see a big girl be the bad guy, you know, even though it's a bad guy, but still, like, I'd be down for it. Like, she's just, like, owning her, you know, owning her life and taking names, and I think that'd be great to see. Um, as a person myself who's very vol voluptuous I, and an actor, it really kind of bums me out to know that I might not have a place in shows like this because they just haven't, created them you know I want to be a badass I want to be a, a good guy on the homestead but I'm a person of color who's voluptuous it's like ugh, you know without being a best friend or a high school student you know what I'm saying well 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 so, bookmark because that show I recommended crazy head has an African I can't say American because she's not from America European lead <laughs> British British, um, British African, African lead and um, she's also a voluptuous woman so you should give a watch to that because she's the hero of that storyline See, and that's what we like about the TV, and I think that shows like Winona and stuff will continue. You, Emily said, yes. She goes, if they're the right actors, she's like, I'm not going to discount that, and we are going to get better. So I appreciate that. So yeah, those are like things that I thought were really high on the list for Winona. Um, just having those representation, having um, more chances, having great villains and better story arcs, and it's just... It was definitely doing uh, a lot this season. Uh, what are some of the things that you weren't a fan oh, of? Oh, well, I wanted to, I would. I guess, okay, we can go there, but I had a few other. What, what do you want to bring up? <laughs> I was going to say, um, you know, we spoke to the highs kind of like on the female side. If there was any highs, what were your highs for Doc? you know, in dolls. Oh, well, for the guys in general, I mean, the guys for me are always a high note in general on the show. 
because it's the first time a lot of us females and a lot of other young males get to see men who aren't being chauvinistic, who aren't being sexist or self-conscious or um, immature. You know, yeah, Doc could be selfish at times. Um, you know, dolls can be broody and a little immature on the side of like liking a girl. But I also think that Dolls is emotionally stunted when it comes to romance because he's never had that type of love or been shown that, given the fact that he's been raised in Black Badge. So it's understandable. Doc being selfish and, you know, because of his immortality, I get it. But what they haven't done in the show, which is amazing, they're not making the men the saviors, the end-all be-all. I love the fact that um, Doc kills the widows and then goes, God, I forgot how much I like killing stuff. It's been so long since I've done it. Because the whole season he was shooting blanks. Every time he shot something, it wouldn't die. It was up to Wynota to kill it, you know? And he didn't downplay her. He didn't make her even, well, she's pregnant. They both didn't try to take over because she's pregnant. She goes, no, get over it when they try to get butt hurt. And they did. You know, they kept lifting her up. They kept lifting Waverly up. They kept lifting Nicole up. They did not lose their manhood, their presence. They didn't lose their badassery by being afraid that the women are gonna be the leads. By them being more supportive men, it made me happy to see men on te television. Men who shoot, men who are typically supposed to be Western manhood and that, that showing of strength and beauty and blah, blah, blah. But they had awesome confidence and that makes them more attractive and makes them more so awesome. So at this point, is there one you'd rather see with Winona than the other? Like, who do you think is... Nope. Is, if you had to give Winona, like, you know... Nope, I wouldn't. want to see... Because right now... Either of them? No, the thing is, I, I think that both of them complement her fantastically. So you want to see her and polyamorous. <laughs> well, not even that. No, like the thing is, it's in a weird way. I kind of like this. We're emotionally all in a relationship together, but none of us are actually in a relationship together. So that there's always that connection and that bond to want to save each other. But I don't need to be bogged down by them having sex or them dating. You know, those moments where I see, because for me, as far as like dolls is concerned, I like him with Winona, not because Winona needs a man, but because he needs Winona. I like seeing dolls need this female in his life. Um, I think that's great. Doc doesn't need, I mean, Winona doesn't need Doc because he's a complication, but he needs her to keep balance, to keep him on the ground, to keep him you know, steadfast, if you will. Um, so as far as both of them concerned, like, I don't think she needs either of them. I think that they need her in, more. In, in that regard, speaking to what you're talking about, wanting to see just a balanced relationship between the two men and Winona, I, that really kind of reminds me of Lost Girl. And I always liked that oh, about yeah. Lost Girl. I liked that Bo was sometimes with Lauren and sometimes with uh, what's his Dyson, right? Dyson. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and and both relationships in context were so complicated, but they also lifted up that main character. I I don't want to treat the showrunner like her last show, but I think both shows are doing that really well. 
that triangle yeah. of keeping your lead spinning against their own conflict and using these two sub characters slash love interests to really kind of hold her up rather than make her needy or dependent exactly and they did the same thing with yeah exactly in lost girl you know Bo and i mean um dyson and laura end up not necessarily being friends but understanding and having a respect a mutual respect for each other and they understand each other's roles in Bo's life same like doc and dolls they they're understanding and respecting each other for the men that they are and they're seeing how she could be um in this weird place with both of them and they might get jealous of each other but it's almost like a fun friendly banter and now it feels more like may the best man win but without trying because if they both actively try she will whoop both of their behinds you know for trying to step out of that bound so i think that is great i think i think um, at this point you really there is no winner and that is very refreshing <laughs> well this is this is my thing I because I this is my huge prediction for the end of the series as far as like love is concerned. I think it's going to be kind of a split down the middle. Doc is the father of her child. Doc will always live on in Winona's baby. Doc will be that baby daddy, you know what I'm saying? And I think that when he's 150 years old, I think he will die eventually in this season or this not season in the series. And then I think she will be with dolls. Because it makes more sense to have her and Dolls as a couple at the end of the series. Than, because if Doc can't have her, if Doc is going to pass on, he's going to want her to be with somebody she can trust, feel loved towards, and caring towards. And I think it's going to be Dolls. I think there's going to be a moment where Doc goes, all right, man, take care of her. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's going to be more beautiful than them always constantly fighting. I think it's going to be whoever doesn't die gets her kind of thing. Yeah, I, you know I what I'm saying? I always think of Doc in terms of, when I think of Doc, I really think of him as like the Sir Lancelot of this world, the most pure of knights, of White, of white Earp's knights, you know? And um, mm -hmm. he he's fatally destined to be tragic though. And it, and there's a, and I think that my overall series prediction for the Doc character is that no matter what he do he does, he's eventually going to die of the tuberculosis. I think that is what is going to take him down, and that's just my call on it. Just because I think, I think they've shown that they've shown like a foreshadowing <laughs> of that. Sorry, I did you hear that? Yeah, I did. What is that? Um. So <laughs> Jim was like, "What's going on?" Um, we have an opera people in my area. So there's these two people that practice really high notes on opera and don't know at all what building they're in. <laughs> I don't know where they live. My window is completely closed, but you can hear them just hitting high G's and high C's. And it's hilarious. <laughs> Cause like, it'll be like early and I'll be sitting in bed and you just hear like these high notes and you're like, what the, I mean, good for them. But like, what opera are they in? It's I really, I, I, I need to know. You gotta go knocking on doors, make some friends. Get I know. Tickets. <laughs> you're like, excuse me, are you in the opera? Are you the opera sounds? It's like a Seinfeld skit where you always have the opera okay, voice. Did you yeah. have a favorite villain this season? Um, I did. Um, I actually have a tie between the widows and Tucker. The reasons, cause one's fan, to see and the other one's reality. I think that the widows, their snarkiness, their banter with each other, their strangely enough sister relationship, but like not, and their sister wife thing was awesome. 
the fact that they were powerful, but it was most, I wasn't actually a fan of them when it came time for them using their powers. I can care less. I thought their uh, spider breath was a little OP, but them as just people, them walking around the city trying to figure things out. I love that. I loved Beth dressed up like normal and judging uh, Mercedes for getting shot. You know, Mercedes was expanding and getting bigger because she was about to die as a widow. You know, it just, it was this weird thing. Like Beth had this Anna Kendrick thing going on with the snark and the sass. And, you know, and Mercedes was just like kind of bitchy. I loved, I loved them. You liked as a, them. As a duel. And you know who they reminded me? They reminded me of a little bit of the witches from that Hocus Pocus. The sisters, a little know, bit. They have little to. Bit. They yeah. keep coming they have, back alive, and but they kind of are snarky. Yeah, they have that hocus pocus. They, they're a little hocus pocus. Ask. And and then I also liked Tucker, because the thing is with, and it kind of grounds Purgatory back and brings the show back into the idea that this is a neighborhood. There are people in people's neighborhoods who are like Tucker, who are creepy, who are stalkers, who are psychopaths, who you know, believe that women should be property. And, you know, to me, that's more terrifying than a black widow. I know that a black widow, Mercedes and Beth, aren't going to come and suck my soul out, but I am 100% aware that if I walk down the street, I can meet a Tucker, you know, and that's terrifying. And especially I think that... Especially the streets in New York. <laughs> especially the streets in New York. Um, but I really think that... Oh God, I wish I remembered his name. Uh, the actor, uh, he did such a good job because just that terrifying idea of like he got shot and then jumped through a window <laughs> like you know he was bold enough to go into the homestead put kidnap a girl and be like put this cheerleading outfit on like how disgusting how many captors how many men and women do you know have this issue in real life terrifying so I mean I wish he would have had more of a death scene because I really 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 think that all the women who have been attacked and assaulted in life needed that. We needed to see him get his comeuppance and not from a widow. I think it would have been better to have Nicole kill him because, or something, get rid of him or whatever, because A, that'll be a great character development for her, but also it's just so symbolic of every woman who's been assaulted by those type of men getting their just rewards. It wasn't a supernatural being that kills them. It was a real woman who, you know, is strong and determined. And I think it would have been better to see Nicole do that. Yeah. But I think he was a great man. I think that I love that. I agree with you entirely. I think Tucker was the best pedestrian villain of the season. And I'm going to say Tucker as for my favorite villain as well, because I don't truly believe that Mercedes was a villain. I think that towards the end, I think that they kind of did away with her a little too fast and she's she showed signs that she wasn't about that that handmade tales life and she wanted to move on <laughs> she wanted to put her body emmy aside. emmy award-winning hands yeah, tell, right? yeah. <laughs> i want to be an mm. extra on that show so bad let me just side note that Who doesn't that's in boston um anyways so i i just thought that if you look at who's truly evil who truly who can you understand who's complex who gives you the creeps. I thought Tucker was all of those things. And I think that they should bring him back. Make him... In, I would love to see him made into a remnant. And then like... I would have loved to see him in the cult. I would have loved to see him as a remnant. Because... I can't say that right. Remnant. Rev remnant. Revenant. Revenant. Yeah. Sorry. 
Um, <laughs> uh, I'm drinking coffee. I'm having a hard time. Um, anyways, I would love to have seen him do that because then we know he'd be returning from hell and extra evil. And I would love to see growing conflict between him and Nicole as like a overall story seasonal thing that ends at the last episode on the last season. Um, but yeah, uh, moving on to some of the lows. What? A- if yeah, I was going to say, what are those? the things that you're not a fan okay. of? Okay, my know. overarching lows for this season, because no product is perfect, no matter how you try. Obviously. So here they are. Um, I thought leaving Waverly's nature a mystery. I thought you start a series off with an overarching question. This season started with Waverly, we asked, we really, really asked the question, what are you? Who are you? And that remained a mystery. And it was so, for me, anticlimactic because all the way into the moment she walked past the line on Purgatory, I thought we were going to have a finalized answer in that scene. And instead, we had a very gentle scene when the lighting was beautiful and the moment was beautiful and the cinematography was beautiful. But I was in inwardly just like, ah! And so it's just like, I feel like this show didn't know if they had a season three till about (laughs) Comic-Con. So they made the whole series, they wrote it all out, and we would have never known, had they not been renewed, what Waverly would have been. And that would have driven me crazy. I was just, that would have been, if this show gets canceled and they don't answer that question, that will be the hill of this show, the Achilles heel of this show. So it's that resolution that is driving me a little crazy because Waverly is not Winona. So it's just like, that is something that could be resolved. And even if they are saving it, you know, like they could get canceled at any moment. Um, My other thing that I'm going to just, I'll read them off quick because I want to talk about the big one with you. Do that with you. My other two are the lack of the pedestrian world of purgatory. When you take the people out of purgatory, you take the champs, you take the gusses, you take the faces out of purgatory, we're just fighting bad guys. And then I stopped caring about the place we're fighting for. So I need to see why this quaint town needs to be saved. I mean, it's presumably like a star's hollow with some demons in it. And um, I felt like a lack of attachment to the pedestrian world made things like Tucker the only character in the pedestrian pedestrian world that we saw and we hated him so give me something to love about purgatory a person i can latch on to right now that's nedley and i feel like his presence is not enough for me to anchor into what this town is um the third one it was mercedes and then she got her face she became supernatural (laughs) she became a part of the demon world demon warfare um i would love to see that maybe played in the brotherhood but you know their relationship to what does it mean to be a fireman with no power and to be a demon hunter that's very interesting to me um the third thing off-camera relationships i hate this shit i will never do this to myself as a writer i've decided it from watching this show and a few others i really needed i felt like one of the weaker lows was the off-camera relationship between rosita and doc like, I felt like it was established that they were dating each other, but we didn't have a, enough on-camera gl- glimpses at it to um, to really believe in it. 
and I feel like just maybe a, like a, not, doesn't need to be a scene it could be an interaction a hand on shoulder a kiss but for being a couple they were the least coupleiest of couples now I understood why they would be I just don't like when relationships happen off camera this was a big boon of mine I think in Grey's Anatomy they had like Arizona dating some chick off camera and then the chick leaves and then it's just like I don't even care I don't even care so anything that's an off-camera where I don't get to enough of an interaction and then you ask me to care about it later that's gonna be hard for me to deal with all right that's no I get that I actually understand that because um, the one thing that we didn't really like and a lot of people had kind of commented on it was that like with the whole kissing of uh, Rosita and Waverly it got resolved between Nicole and Waverly off camera. Um, you know, they're able to joke and everything like that. And even Caperill said, oh yeah, we think that they would have talked about it already. Um, Cause someone asked them at a camera and they're like, oh yeah, they would have talked about it. Waverly would have been upfront with her and she would have been understanding cause she also kept the fact that she was married a secret and she knew where Waverly was cause she's a little older and understands the whole life crises that Waverly's going through. So I was like, that's great, except we wanted at least an acknowledgement of that. You know, m maybe, I don't know. To me, I think that it would have been really funny because they kind of set it up at the bridal shower episode where, I mean, uh, bridal shower, the baby shower episode where they, Nicole or Kate, I don't know if it was just a Kate choice or they played it on purpose when Waverly calls Rosita Rosie and gives her a nickname, and Rosita's like, okay, Waves, because Waves is Nicole's nickname for her. You know, there was a, a visible jealousy in Nicole. So it would have been nice to play a little bit more up on that, like... Build that up Nicole, a little bit a li more, yeah. A little bit jealous, because then, um, you know, and Nicole going, what the heck, why are you, like... Like, why do you have this connection with my girlfriend, you know? And then to have that kiss would have meant a little bit more because Nicole saw it coming or, like, felt something was off. So she can be mad, but also, like, you know, there could have been more there. So as far as that's concerned, that's one of my biggest lows, too. Um, I totally agree with um, you on the development of the widow and things like that. Another low for me, which is funny, was low lighting in this uh, series. I just want the lighting, the editing, as far as like, just click it up maybe four or five notches where it's just a little bit brighter. It doesn't have to feel like everything's super bright and cutesy, but it's like moments like when the way hot are making out in the room, the room is just <laughs> not lit. And it's not just because it's a way hot kiss, but like the room's not lit. When they were around the table with uh, Eliza talking about what they're gonna do next, it was just really dark. You had everybody in dark earth tones and then a wooden table and then the, the blinds were closed. There's just a lot going on. So like, I kind of would prefer a little bit more light in this in this show. I mean, it was really great to see the light when she went to the um, dream world in the AU because you're like, oh, okay, it's really bright. But there was also then solar flares, which we're not JJ Abrams. We don't need all those solar flares. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. So it's just a little bit interesting. The lighting um, drove you really crazy, yeah. Just, I just need a good balance on the lighting, please. Um, and that might happen. The reason why the lighting might be there is because certain effects need to have certain tint. I don't really know, but can we work on that? Thanks. Um, and then we kind of talked about how we just wanted, I have two <laughs> big ones, but I'll do the Nicole one last. <laughs> um, 
the bigger one too is the villain specificity. I need to know the hierarchy. Who should we be looking at? We were kind of talking about the fact that the focus in this series is hard. We have a hard time figuring out who's the bad guy. We have a lot of red herrings. We have a lot of kind of bad guys. We have a little quasi bad guys. Okay, Cludy's the series bad guy because he's the curse maker. Okay, Constance, she was kind of the bad guy in season one. Bobo, he's a bad guy, but not really. Um, like the widows, they were bad, but like not really. Like, you know what I'm saying? So like what, who are we supposed to be watching? <laughs> you know, I, I want there to be just a little bit more of a goal. The one thing I love and hate about the show, it's both a pro and a con. Emily puts so much story into this 13 episodes, 12 episodes if you want, but I almost want her to do less story so that we can have clear resolutions, clear goals, clear cuts for the stories we do Some have. There's so yeah. much, yeah, there's so much going on that it's almost too much. Um, and I loves me a good packed story, but if, like Jen said, if this gets canceled, if there is no season four, she has so much to wrap up in a season. And that's not really fair to everybody, especially her, because I know that she can write and her team, you know, are very good at writing the stories. So I kind of want, unlike, I would say, like a Xena ending where we were like, eh, I mean, it ended. We were all bummed out about it. It could have been better if it had more seasons. I but, could yeah. never get myself to watch the last episode of Xena. I watched all the way to the end <sighs> and then I stopped. I was like, I don't need to know how it ends. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've watched it several times and had in several different. I can't endure uh, Lucy Lawless, Lawless getting her head shot. I just can't. I just won't have it. Uh, yeah, there's a lot happening there. Um, yeah, so, you know, that's the kind of con. And the biggest con of them all for me uh, is Nicole. I love Nicole hot so hard. She is probably my favorite um, person because she's so normal, but not. Um, I'm so sad that she became this season's punching bag, Lois Lane slash, you know, plot point victim. Um, season one, she was so bold and assertive and like, it wasn't just the flirty thing. Like, you know, she's walking into rooms without knocking and dolls is even on her ass. You know, she's being more active when Champ was getting kidnapped, even if she didn't like Champ, you know, uh, the Bobo with the wine scene and the finale and, you know, Waverly's like, let's get out of here. She's like, no, I'm a cop. You know, I got to go where the action is. Like she was so about that life, right? <laughs> And then we get to season two and she gets her girlfriend, she turns into a puppy dog, and she gets her ass kicked by everybody. How is your untrained girlfriend whooping everybody's ass and you over here, a apparently top of your class police officer from God knows where, and you can't do nothing? Like, yeah, you shot Tucker, whoopty. But like, I would have loved, I would have loved it to see a more balanced fight scene between the three women. I wanna see Nicole whooping ass at, on the widow and then maybe the widow gets the upper hand and then Waverly comes in and she's fighting and there's these two people who are fighting so that when Nicole gets injured it's more of a shock let's say you get hurt in the heat of battle where you're really really fighting and then she gets bit doesn't feel it keeps fighting and then maybe the gun draws the widow away and that's when we are revealed that Nicole got hurt Nicole is bleeding and then she's like oh shit because the adrenaline's now focused somewhere else and you're like, crap. And that's what makes the stakes higher. But like, Scarecrow throwing her into the window. Black badge demotion. Um, you know, 
kind of getting yelled at by Waverly on several occasions. Um, Winona talking shit about her, like, you know, even in her Gunona uh, and Winona kind of just like jabbed at her and like getting beat down. Tucker's beating her down. Nedley's beating her down. What is the point? It's not propelling the story. It's just making this awesome character that we loved weak for no reason. <laughs> and it's blah. Well, you talk about it. Like um, the idea of of wanting to see this character in action, be active, be active in the way that a male car- hero would be active, you know, anything that comes up, take assertive action, assert yourself. And they what they're doing is they're kind of like taking away her assert her, her assertive self, her action at the expense of the relationship you know we don't want to see the two women saving each other we want to see them being assertive in their own right and actively going after their goals you know i definitely need to see nicole a little bit more have nicole needs to get a beer with alex danvers and some fighting lessons <laughs> that's what needs to happen i'm telling you like it really does bother me because it's like i i just want to see her being the agent that everybody keeps talking her up to be and the police officer, like, if she's going to be the sheriff, I need to see that. Like, we saw Nedley be kind of a badass. He took a beating, okay, by this widow. And you kind of made you go, oh, I see why you're the sheriff. He has secrets. He knows how the world works. He seems very kind, but also he can take a beating. He's a strong guy. And, yeah, we're seeing Nicole clearly take a beating because even in season one, she was in the hospital. But, the, like, her being injured in the season one made sense to the story. Season two, it's just kind of like oh, you're the non-supernatural thing person and becoming, we're going to beat you. She's becoming the, the Lois Lane slash Lena of <laughs> yeah. Waverly's. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I, I want to see, exactly. And like you had mentioned before, Doc and Dolls, they're not in a relationship, but they are two males who are still fighting and have agency and have action. You know, even if they're, in, they're very rarely injured. If they are, they still try to help the team but with this it's like because they're in a relationship only one can be the best or the most active and I think that's a bummer like I miss this confident we saw her as Jen said earlier when we're talking about it in the AU she's over here shooting she's the sheriff she has this confidence back the hot that we saw in the AU is the hot I want to see in reality you know Um, and I know with the cult and her and doll's relationship that's going to hopefully be flushed out next season, but who knows? You know, I really just want there to be more um, Nicole being a police officer. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, uh, so I do have to bring this to a close because I'm going to a New York Ranger game opener. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> New York Ranger season <laughs> opener, preseason opener tonight. Um, so I'd like to end this on a fabulous note, your favorite way hot moment of the year. Well, okay, guys. Um, my sure favorite I, way hot Make moment. sure I make the first opening play. <laughs> oh, no, I got it. Um, so t- I will, I will. So I'm just going to say this. Um, I kind of have two moments and one, like, super fangirly is I love the fact that um, my favorite moment is when they're talking about Gooverly. So Winona goes, hey, have you, you know, your girlfriend's looking at you like she wants to eat you. And, <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> oh, that's a good and, yeah. Yeah, and well, I don't know if she said it like that, but and Waverly goes, "Oh yeah, we have we haven't talked yet since I was good. We should do that." And then the next cut is them making out. That I was like, 
Wait, I thought you said you're gonna talk about it. I mean, they got around to talking about it during the makeout, but that just cracks me the hell up. I think it's like so cute. Could have had better lighting, but fine. <laughs> um, but I love that moment. Also, as an actor, I know how difficult that scene had to be because they had to get the marking right because they were moving all over that room. So it's like, and make sure you stop here, turn her here, make sure you stop there. It's a lot. So I was like, they did a lot in that scene, whether you know it or not. So I appreciate that. And then um, it's kind of a tie with this also of um, Nicole and, um, oh no, I lost it, what was it? It was the, uh, it was the, um, the makeout scene and then, um, oops, I completely forgot, that sucks. <laughs> uh, there's just like a really good moment that I can't remember. I, so, I, I'm gonna throw one what's in. What's your favorite? Um, probably, and not for like lusty, pervy reasons at all, because that's not my style, but I loved that Waverly was so like triple threat this season. You know, she sang, and she danced, and she acted. So the actress did all three, and she did it all, like, I mean, there was some way hot in there, but I just enjoyed that, you know, she really kind of owned all these talents this season. I figured it out. I figured mm -hmm. out what my, okay, go, my go, tie go, was go. for the best moment. The cheerleading scene. Oh, I, I, um, <laughs> I added that <laughs> How in. can we forget? How can we forget? <laughs> because, let's be honest, not only was that just a thing, and that was the uh, most appropriate time to use slow motion, um, I think, you know, Nicole slash Kate had the best delivery of the entire season with the, wow, and then the baby that's everybody's thing. Because <laughs> it was just, it summed up the fandom in a whole scene. Mm -hmm. And watching everybody's reaction to that, people's just jaws everywhere. You could hear across the world, just jaws dropping. <laughs> so yeah, those are my favorite way hot scenes. Um, real quick, so we can just say it, uh, just say your favorite line of the season. What oh, was your favorite crap. line? You're putting me on the spot, but I do have it. Who's your, hey who's your daddy? Jeremy. <laughs> After he said, who's your daddy? I'm not to, your daddy. I'm not your daddy, right? <laughs> to, to, to dolls, I just ship dolls and Jeremy. I want dolls and Jeremy to be boyfriends. <laughs> uh, um, my favorite line in the entire, uh, season, I think. I know it's hard to narrow one down, but I figured it out. Nobody becomes Winona Earp by facing their problems head on. I love that line. <laughs> That's a fabby, fabby line. It's just, it just roll, it's it exactly what Winona is. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's the I best I think that's the best way to end it too because. So, I know. Like, how are you going to like. So, guys, thank you for listening so far. I know we've been on a bit of a break. Um, we're going to be back with Defenders. If you guys want to talk to us, make sure to hit us up on Twitter at whatabout underscore dat. And Jen, if you have a really cool show you want us to give a glance at, let us know that as well. Because we are looking oh, yeah. to always add to our queue. Oh, oh, we are. We are adding uh, Shannara. <laughs> yeah, uh, Shannara Chronicles as well. I love Shannara. <laughs> that thing's going to be as gay as the days long. Anyways, it's going to be so and stupid. Then um, and then everyone's going to turn into a tree. <laughs> Yeah, we are. Uh, make sure you head to Twitter and um, iTunes and stuff and rate us, you know, give us some comments. What do you like? What do you not? You know, let us know. I mean, it's we're all here to have a good time and discuss, discuss, discuss. So please uh, let us know. So anything else, Jen? You good? No, I'm good. Oh. All right, guys. Well, have a great week, and we will be back shortly, hopefully soon, with the uh, first Defenders episode. So have a great day, guys. Talk to you later. Bye.